That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, it, today we are double dipping, so... Yeah, we got, uh, we got the calendar all messed up. You got to do a Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve, but that also is a Sunday, so that morning... You've got the fourth Sunday of Advent. Typically, this only happens once every seven years. So you've just gotta, just gotta deal with it. So gotta, you'll yeah. have a, a small crowd on December twenty fourth Sunday morning. Speak but there's for some yourself. good readings. We'll talk to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's right. They'll all be showing up at Calvary St. George's. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, we never know. We never know what to expect when this happens. But uh, but there will be some faithful folks there. But before we get into it, Jake, I see that uh, New York sun hitting the side of your face, dramatically lighting you there in your I know, office. That's just my uh, lamp. That's my lamp. No, that's it's your... already, it's already like basically New York sun setting. So it's like that <laughs> dead of winter. You know, you check your watch because it's midnight, and you realize it's only seven thirty. <clears throat> yeah. So well, it's I like kind of like nice though. Lighting. I've been going to bed early, so uh, you know, getting in some. Uh, Z's, because you know it's like I mean it's dark at four thirty. So anyway, yeah. Old men like us need a rest. Has it been chilly yet? Is it even chilly there yet? Yeah, we did. Speaking of chilly, we had our chilly cook off last night. It is fifty nine degrees in Waco, Texas today, Mm. and yeah, we had we had like fifteen different chili varieties, a couple of vegan options in there, and uh, yeah, we we have a we have a trophy. You get the like the golden spatula for having the. That's wonderful. It was good. We tried good that. Time. We tried that here, and it never took off. A chili contest. I don't know. Well, the idea cultural. of like schlepping a crock pot in Manhattan is not fun. Yeah. So anyway, but um, yeah, down a subway, it just didn't work. And so anyway, but uh, so we had uh, one chili contest. I won. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. So anyway, but um, it's great. I think I don't think you should be allowed to participate. I think that <clears throat> violates some sort of rule. Like like I win you know. every competition at Calvary. <laughs> <laughs> As you should. Uh, all right. Well, let's the rector let's get again. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Um, uh, let's get into it. We've got the fourth Sunday of Advent. These readings for Sunday, December twenty fourth. Uh, we have Second Samuel seven one through eleven, and then skipping some verses, ending with verse sixteen. We got Romans sixteen twenty five through twenty seven, and then for our gospel reading, we have Luke. 1, 26 or 38. Finally, into some Christmassy readings in mm. Advent. Um, we, we're, we're turning the page here. So uh, let's kick it off. We begin with 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 11, verse 16 as well. Mm-hmm. And this is David, King David, king of Israel, finally, after a long wait in the, in the wings mm-hmm. while Saul was king and then there was a civil war, but anyway, now David is settled in his house, and David wants to build um, a real temple 
to to house the the ark of the covenant and the holy things and all that because they still got the, the the mobile home they've got the the tabernacle nice mobile home but nevertheless it's mobile and david's living in this house of cedar but the ark of god is in a tent so he wants to 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 build a uh, a real a real thing and he consults with his prophet nathan nathan says do it uh go ahead and build it but then nathan gets um gets a call from the lord and he says actually um you're not gonna you're not gonna build the temple david um and uh and actually um i don't need a fancy house says god i have um I have taken care of you. I've been fine. I've taken care of my people. I've uh, I've fought your battles for you, and um, and I don't need you to build me a house. Um, so uh, and it ends with this: the Lord says, "The Lord will make you a house. You don't make me a house. The Lord will make you a house." Um, and there's a there's a final line here: "Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne, David's throne, shall be established forever." Um, so deep cut from the Old Testament. How do you make this real for people? How do you connect this to people, Jake? What do you say about this? Well, you know, it's interesting during the season of Advent 1, 2, and 3, our Old Testament readings have been from the prophet Isaiah and have been um, great reminders to us of what uh, the coming Messiah would do. And um, and what um, this particular reading does is it takes us back to, quote, unquote, the good old days, you know, when... Um, Israel had a great king. They weren't in exile, and um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, and uh, things all seemed right in the world. And who doesn't have those moments? You know, I saw a great meme, and it was like the fact that you had a wonderful, wonderful. You have wonderful Christmas memories. Just means that you had a wonderful adult who loved you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so this is this is like one of those moments that um, it takes us back to the deep cuts. It takes us back to the good old days, and. Um, and it reminds us that um, what uh, God promised to David, God promised to Isaiah, and God uh, fulfills in Jesus. And so mm-hmm. here's this beautiful thing that um, so often we think, and it's a reminder that our relationship with God, that God is actually the protagonist in the relationship. It's not a two-way street. It's not a, you know, I do, you know, 40%. I do my part and he does his. This is God for the sake of salvation, accomplishing absolutely positively everything. And from uh, David's line, indeed, comes this everlasting kingship that is fulfilled in Jesus, by which Jesus, as Paul eventually looks back and the apostles look back, becomes the chief cornerstone by which Isaiah and all of the prophets are looking towards and by which all of the apostles are looking back towards is now like this amazing, amazing living temple that exists where the Holy Spirit is now pleased to dwell and that's his church, uh, you and I. But he becomes the one who accomplishes it and he accomplishes it by creating a new temple, a holy temple, which is his church, by which God has promised to never leave you or forsake you, but to dwell deeply within your heart. Yeah, this uh, what's interesting, David David here represents a, what we see with people a lot. They sort of are in the busyness of their lives, and, and then they sort of get all their ducks at row. Their life is sort of stable and settled, and they think, okay, now I'm going to get back to church. Now I'm going to get spiritual. Now I'm going to get to make some room for God in my life. And so David is saying, I mean, and that's, I'm, I'm stretching it a little <laughs> bit. David certainly was not checked out with the Lord and then decides to get right. But he's sort of like, I'm living in this house of cedar. I'm now settled in my kingship. 
my throne is established. Now let's build God a house. Um, let's get him out yeah. of the tent. And the whole thing is God reframes it and says, no, I have taken care of you. I will continue to take care of you. I love you, but thank you. I don't need your help to build me a house. And it yeah. comes against all this language you hear so often about cooperating with God and all that sort of stuff that you kind of referenced there, Jake. And I think um, there is a lot of talk in Advent about making ready and preparing room and all that, but we run the risk of making it sound like we have some sort of partnership with God as opposed to the God who acts. Um, and And... Yes, ultimately Solomon will build a temple, and that gets destroyed. And then Herod mm -hmm. will build a temple, and that gets destroyed. So all these kind of human attempts to make a house for God, to build God's kingdom, as the language we would use in many church mission mm -hmm. statements today, um, uh, that is not ultimately up to us. God does the work, and, that's, and this is what God is saying very clearly. Like, I am and, the boss here. I'm doing yeah. the things. I will take care of you. And, and ultimately, it's as you said, it's, it's fulfilled in in Jesus Christ, and so um, which is, uh, I'd much rather that be the case than me having to make all these things happen. Yeah, and and the collect for the day can be your lens for interpreting this text. You know, purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation, and He visits us daily. Uh, you know, in His Word, and and that that so that when Jesus at His coming, which is a very powerful Advent theme, may find a mansion prepared for Himself. But the one who's prepared the mansion for himself is the uh, work of God within your life. And so, um, and uh, you never forget, are a marvelous part of this new temple that has been built in Jesus. Yeah, there's um, a song uh, by you 2 where, uh, where Bono, Bono, it's called Stand Up Comedy. No Line on the Horizon was the album. It's a good album. It's not my favorite U2 album, but... Um, uh, he says he wants to stop. He says that to the listener, stop helping God across the road like a little old lady. Um, and this is, you know, those those uh, there's a famous statue of Jesus that had his hands blown off in some bomb in World War II. And so mm -hmm. people say, like, you know, the, they left the statue up, and it shows, like, you know, we are the hands and feet of Christ in the world. He can't do anything without us. And I get what they're saying. And you know, don't yeah, don't at wonderful. me about this. But. Um, but sometimes you do think God is like a little old lady that we need to help across the street. Like, uh, you know, he's, God is, is not powerful and mighty to save. Um, and here David kind of has that attitude a little bit. Like, I'm going to help God across the street. I'm going to build it's, I'll do this nice thing for the Lord. I'll build, I'll build, a, build him a house. I live in a nice house. I'll build a nice one for God, too. But um, uh, God says, no, I don't need your help. I'm, I, I mean, essentially, the whole earth is mine. I'm in control. I, I, I already inhabit this place that I have made. And... Um, and ultimately, uh, the idea is that the true temple is Jesus Christ, the living temple, which we now are the living stones that make it up. And so that's where you go. So I think what you say is about this is that sometimes we think God needs our help, but really the message of this passage is that God helps us, which he clearly does as he comes to us in Jesus Christ. Um, and that's the that's the message for Advent 4. That's unless you, yeah, unless you want to preach on Romans chapter 16. So you got three verses where Paul here now ending his letter to the Romans and he's given kind of this, you know, these, these are the closing words. Now to God who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, uh, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but is now disclosed and talks of prophetic writings. Um, and it's this doxological statement, which means worship, mm -hmm. to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. So this is just Paul giving a shout out to the Lord at the end of his uh, long, incredible theological letter, tome to the Roman church. 
Uh, and But the, the key verse, the reason this is the Advent 4 reading, is the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages is now disclosed. And this means that what you just heard about in 2 Samuel, that when God says, I will establish your throne forever to King David, um, he's actually not talking about a political dynasty or a nation state. He's talking about Jesus Christ, the, the Messiah, and the, the new community that comes as the body of Christ, the, the church. Um, and this is this revelation that the Messiah was going to be coming as a little baby, that it would not be a political ruler um, in the way we normally think of it. Um, and so this this is um, the the idea here is that God surprises us and comes in surprising ways. We think God has come to f- fix our political problems, our financial problems, um, whatever it may be. Uh, but really, it's to come as this little baby um, now disclosed um, in this little. Uh, backwater in Israel. So, um, and, and you can do a lot with that about how God shows up in our lives, not in the way we expect, but in the way we need. Uh, what would you say about this? I mean, there's a very short passage and uh, anything you, you would add or say differently, Jake? Um, no, I mean, I would agree with you. It, it fits entirely with the theme from the Old Testament. This is essentially like, you know, a song of praise that sums everything up. How God will justify the ungodly, the obedience of faith to bring about believing. And that God, everyone wants to be brought in by the preaching of the gospel. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. part of this that uh, we can hold up as our own. He does it all. And so this yeah. is uh, this is him uh, coming and preparing uh, that mansion for himself. Yes, he says, now to God who is able to strengthen you mm-hmm. according to my gospel. And again, Paul is arguing for his his. Um, his spirit-given understanding of this gospel of grace and justification mm-hmm. by faith, and um, but it's important again. It does say now, now to now, now to you who are able to strengthen yourself according to your good deeds. No, it's God is the one who does the strengthening. Uh, just right. as David saw that God is the one that builds the temple, um, God is the one who does the strengthening. So it's it's a great word of um, of grace for us. So. Amen. Now turning to Luke 1, 26-38, the sixth month, the angel Gabriel is sent to Nazareth. He's, um, he's doing a Grubhub delivery there in Nazareth, and so he shows up, and um, Mary gets the notification that her, her, um, her, her ring uh, doorbell has seen some activity, and she opens the door and finds Gabriel telling her that she will have a child. Um, and... Um, and it's a beautiful passage. Uh, this is uh, setting the stage for what we will eventually call Christmas. Um, and Mary asks a pretty natural question because she's. we find out she's engaged but not yet married. She's perplexed, as the passage says. Um, and uh, she says, you know, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And, of course, the angel says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the child shall be born, the Holy Son of God. And he also gives the news that Elizabeth, her cousin, has conceived a son, even though she is very, very old. Um, and the idea is, is, the angel says, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary's incredible response, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel um, departs. So one of these stories that is a little bit more familiar, it's certainly not as deep of a cut as uh, David thinking about building a temple a thousand years uh, before this passage. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, sometimes with familiarity, it's hard to make it real or connect. Um, but how would you make this connect? What would you say to, to people about Mary's encounter with the Archangel Gabe, Jake? Well, I think it's very important that, um, 
that the angel greets her, and this is the message of the angels uh, throughout this entire season as we move into Christmas, is not, hey, get it together. Hey, um, you know, um, uh, whatever, whatever the word may be, it's do not be afraid. You know, I was talking, we're having a forum uh, this Sunday with a wonderful parishioner. Uh, she's a uh, well-known kind of uh, psychologist here in New York City, Christina Sanderson. Esther Perel. Yeah, Sorry. we were we were talking about um, we were talking about uh, uh, anxiety, and uh, you know, anxiety is just uh, another word for being afraid. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is you know, and this is so much of where our life is lived is in fear, fear that things aren't going to work out, fear that God's not going to pull through. And uh, he comes and he meets her and he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Um, Boy, because what we're about to tell you is you're not going to find favor with a lot of other people. A lot of other people are going to find this actually hard to believe. And so um, and, you know, this this miracle, this amazing story is 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 really hard to, to believe. But this child in Mary's womb Uh, delivered in Bethlehem, just like he said he would. This child in her womb who would grow up to be the man of sorrows, just like he said he would. This man who uh, whose um, heart is gentle and lowly. You want to know about a person, look at their heart. It's gentle and lowly. Would grow up to be um, uh, the man upon the cross who would die and rise from you, rise for you. And because of him and his righteousness, uh, the Lord says to you as well, do not be afraid. I wish I believed that so much more, but that is true, and that is the word for you. Do not be anxious. Do not be afraid, because in Jesus, you have found favor with God as well. And yeah. uh, that is the word, is I think, the good word of the gospel as we move into the Christmas season. Yeah, and, and I'll, um, I'll we'll end this kind of Advent 4. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little sermon, uh, another sermon angle that y'all can take listeners, uh, preachers with this. You've got this passage from 2 Samuel and this passage from Luke 1, and there's a thousand years between them. And in the first one, David thinks he's going to do something for God, and God says, no, I'm going to do it for you, and I will establish this throne, your house, house of David, forever. David thinks that means a political monastic dynasty that will reign forever. And that does not happen in the thousand years after that. You know, yeah. it goes to Solomon, it goes to some other guy, it goes to some other guy, and it sort of all falls apart so that by the thousand years that have passed, we get to Luke 1, there is not an heir to David on the throne, and it looks like God's promises were fake, like God didn't come through. And, um, and the, but the key line here to tie Second Samuel to Luke 1 is a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Mm. So this is an indication that God's promise is coming true, but in a way that nobody saw coming because this, this son of the house of David is not being born in a palace in Jerusalem where he sort of should be. If this is how we thought God would answer his promises, he's being born in a stable. So, so the sermon here for everybody who thought God's promises have not come true is that they do come true, but just not in the way that you expect. And the, the good news I think for people is that, and to your point Jake, everybody's scared all the time. Everybody's anxious. It's, life's hard. Um, it's painful to be human. And uh, 
and I think the message that these two passages kind of, um, I think, proclaim is that even when it looks like God isn't working, and even when it looks like his promises are empty, null, and void, and he hasn't come through for you in the way you want, he is working. And this is what Mary finds out. And it turns out, and I just love that the, the, the first thing that the angel says, greeting favored one, the Lord is with you. It's a it's a proclamation of the gospel. Like it's Because it's, Mary is a human, uh, you know, and there's probably some advice Gabriel could give her about how to make her life better, but it's you are favored. It's sort of like the words to Jesus um, when he's baptized before he's done anything in his ministry. It's um, this is my son, the beloved. Uh, it's this favor that's, that's given. And if you're preaching this at a communion service and using the Book of Common Prayer, um, you have the, at the end of communion, the, your congregation will hear you have graciously accepted us, um, or you have assured us of your favor and kindness towards us. So there's there's um, these words again that come to us. So. God's promises are real, even when they look like they're not, and God is working, even when it doesn't look like he is, and ultimately God comes to us, not giving us what we think we want, but what we really need, which is the Savior in Christ, this uh, heir of, this, of, the, of the house of David, looking very different than what we expected, but actually is what we, actually what we need. So mm. that's that's how uh, I would preach Advent 4. Well, you know, then, I'm a highly trained uh, professional. You wrap it up, and uh, you get ready for Christmas Eve. And, yeah, uh, you go home, awesome. you take a nap, you drink lots of water. You apply your chapstick, uh, and uh, you you take maybe take a like I said take a little nap. That's funny. go for a walk. I recommend for preachers a walk rather than a nap. Um, I feel like when I take a nap, I'm like more groggy later on. But you got to go like, back uh, and you got to do these yeah. Christmas Eve services. Advent four is probably going to be like Associate Sunday, I think for sure. Yeah, all you curates and assistant directors mm-hmm. listening to this, get ready. We've just given you the goods. Uh, also, mm-hmm. our annual reminder from same old song that the people in your congregation on Christmas Eve do not guilt trip them from not like don't make any jokes about having seen you since Easter. Yeah, be welcoming, hospitable, loving, and gracious, and, and realize that about fifty percent of them are not sober. So you know, keep <laughs> it short, sweet, simple, and to the point. I was talking to someone the other day, and um, from a, a non-denominational background, and he just was like floored by that. He was like, you know, Christmas Eve, they're doing their very first Christmas Eve service. And he just was like floored by that truth. And um, I just was like, well, you know, and probably not at your church, but if well, you're in the main line. Well, I don't know, even Yeah. So I've never like, been. I was like, get ready, bro. Might yeah, see some purple they, lips. If the family, yeah, if the family has been gathering for some sort of festivities starting around 2 p.m. And then they're going to church for the service, I guarantee you that some of them are. You know, uh, their judgment so, and uh, they, yeah, they've been compromised. So uh, <laughs> yeah, have fun. We always have tamales. We always have tamales. Just good, good old fashioned tamales. As do I just ordered mine on Saturday. Yeah, mm. that's a very Texas and I guess Arizona thing as well. Jake, yeah, it's right? Mexican. Mm. Yeah. Tamales and are also, Christmas food originally. Yeah, because you you unwrap it like the baby Jesus wrapped in the swaddling clothes, <laughs> right? Like it, no. Jesus in a corn husk. That's Delicious right. Corn husk. Like a little, oh, little PSA as well. Uh, <laughs> I what? saw this. This is a very common error. I saw it because there was a meme that said, you've heard of Elf in a Shelf, but I give you, and it had a picture of Dolly Parton sitting on top of a tamal, the idea being Dolly on a tamale. But, hey, white people listening, the singular of tamales is tamal. You have one tamal, multiple tamales. There is no such yep. thing in Spanish as a tamale. Mm-hmm. So mm. you're welcome. 
Fun uh, fact. I've now I've now increased your cultural sensitivity. <laughs> uh, so you get to ring in 2024 as a more enlightened person. It's all uh, the more about it's all the more about appreciation, not appropriation. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> let's get under Christmas, exactly. man. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so now we will ultimately Make my, get into uh, reading. But what's that? Nothing. Just my. I felt my inner Republican kind of coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> get out of here, Zimmerman, with your just kidding. Everybody knows I'm not a Republican. But anyway, uh, um, let's, maybe. let's look at that. I don't know. It's getting on thin ice. Um, uh, maybe we should, should we edit that out too? No, let's keep it in. Let's <laughs> we, we bring our real whole selves to the same old song. Um, Jacob Smith, just listeners. Jacob doesn't fit in any singular political category. He's a he's a he's a, a, a creature of my own. Shroud, uh, wrapped in a mystery, um, shrouded in a conundrum. So Isaiah is our Old Testament reading for Christmas Eve. Um, now there are, if you look in the prayer book or you go online, you'll see that there are three readings possible for Christmas Day. It's traditional you you will pick either one or two of those three options for Christmas Eve, and then it's pretty clear the one for Christmas Day is the one that has as the gospel reading the John one passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, etc. And the Word dwelt among us. Um, so that is the reading of these three Christmas Day readings. You pick re- reading one or two for Christmas Eve, and you use the the third one for Christmas Day. So. We're just looking at the, the the first one, but the the gospel reading it's all something from Luke and the you know the the birth of the Christ child and all that. So the one that we're looking at um, uh, is selection one for what it's worth. So mm-hmm. if you pick selection two, good luck. But um, Isaiah nine two through seven, uh, Titus two eleven through fourteen, and Luke two one through fourteen with the option included verses fifteen through twenty. So uh, and uh, if you if you there's three collects obviously options as well if you're doing christmas eve use the one that talks about this holy night to shine etc so um, easy all right it's that so, easy so it's just that easy we just teeter it up for you isaiah 9 chapter 2 to 7 the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light um it's a lot of stuff that we know from handel's messiah wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace Again, this language of the throne of David, which they would have heard you talk about if they come to church on Sunday morning at 24th. Um, But this is uh, kind of the peace and the end of battle and the end of strife and the end of all the ways that people fight against each other. Um, And sort of the, this is a passage that is about the, the implications of the Messiah for peace in human civilization and societies. Um, uh, Jake, what do you want to say about this? I mean, I would say exactly what you're saying. This is um, this is a foreshadow and the hope of what um, Jesus uh, should bring. You have to remember that these are the people who've sat in in darkness. They've been in exile, and all of a sudden, there's this hope of uh, a light breaking in, but not just any light. Um, uh, coming in the form of a real ruler, a, a real king um, who is greater than anything Assyria or Babylon or anything that has ever had to um, has ever put forward. Yet this promise, I mean, it's 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 in the midst of exile, and so uh, they need to look forward to it. And uh, eventually, this is used when um, when uh, Jesus makes his way into uh, uh, Naphtali and Zebulon, and. Um, and so the, the the first tribes that were conquered, but uh, yeah, that's what I would say. I don't know. I thought you were going to say something about NAFTA, the North American <clears throat> Free Trade Agreement. No, 
Um, okay. I would mostly preach on the gospel. That's what everybody's expecting. Yeah. Or, um, or Titus. If we're just honest, let's just go on. Let's everybody's be honest. To, everybody's coming to hear about Titus. Yeah. All right. So let's let's uh, let's move on from our beautiful Isaiah passage to that passage from Titus, verses mm-hmm. eleven through fourteen, which I was so excited to get to earlier. Um, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. And there's stuff in here that sounds a little churchy, like, you know, teaches us to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly. It kind of gets into that, um, I got to make myself better, New Year's resolution kind of language almost. But um, but this is, uh, it's important to remember that God is the one who trains us to do this. God is the one that, that um, has brought salvation. It says he's bringing salvation to all, training us to do this. We, we're waiting for this uh, manifestation to happen. So it's, it's acknowledging the reality that, this doesn't happen all at once, and we are not supposed to be, you know, God's expectation is not that we're perfect right now because he knows we can't. So he is the one who brings this to us. He's the one that trains us. He's the one that um, calls us to wait for the final thing. It's going to be hard. And in case you um, were tempted to think this was just a bunch of law telling you to get better because God's mad at you, he in this passage, it ends, he it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself. So it, it's God, again, from the Advent 4 passages we talked about, God is not a little old lady that leads our help across the street. We don't need to do our part so God will do his. This is God, the Father, the one who gives Jesus Christ for us. He's the one that redeems us. He's the one that purifies us. He's the one that does his work for us. So it's a proclamation of the truth of the gospel that we can we can rest in him um that's a lot of heavy sledding theology to do for mm-hmm. christmas eve uh but if you do it god bless and, and make sure people know that the, again the idea here is that god does this work we wait for the f- kind of fulfillment of all things and god is the one who does the work i remember a couple of years ago the snl had a sketch about um it was like one of those, you know, uh, where they they sing a song and uh, the mother gives all these amazing gifts. She's making brunch and then all she gets is a robe. And it's, uh, you know, <laughs> and um, I think that that's how most people in your congregation are probably thinking about Jesus. They think he's kind of a robe. It's really nice. And most people, when they think of God in our society, don't think of him as like the giver of every good gift. Um, yeah, I remember when I was a I remember when I was a kid, I had all these like um, I swear I thought that they were Nintendo cartridges under the uh, um, under the tree. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I thought I hit the jackpot and then I opened them up and they were mash math flashcards. And I had never that is like um, I had never been so disappointed in all of my life. And uh, well, I mean, you know, I grew up and there were other disappointing moments and um, I live it now every day. <sighs> <laughs> but. <laughs> but but that was a moment. But I think most people think when they think of Jesus as a gift and God as a giver of good gift, they think baby born in Bethlehem who becomes an insignificant Nazarene rabbi crucified by Roman armies. That's not a gift from God that we were hoping to gift. Get. Flashcards. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, it's, it, that gift is strange and unusual. And uh, Luther called it the alien work of God. But uh, this uh, may be the gift we don't want, but this is the gift your congregation desperately needs um, Mm -hmm. because uh, all that he has done for you. uh, The gift of Jesus uh, is the gift that the Father gives that connects your life in a meaningful way by the power of the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament to himself. 
And uh, when this is applied to our life by the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit, when it's poured out on us, well, this makes us ready. It not only delivers us from sin and death, but it takes us out of ourself and allows us to focus on our neighbors for the sake of good works. Kind of, uh, you know, um, like uh, like Scrooge at the end of Christmas Tale. Carol. Mm. Uh... I just thought about that SNL sketch recently. You got me thinking about it of uh, Scrooge, played by Martin Short. Um, uh-huh. He's had his conversion experience, and he's so joyful, and he throws a coin to the little boy outside his window to go get that giant goose that's hanging in the window, and then yeah. the, the coin like lands in the kid's eye, and then he throws another one, and it hits the other eye. Anyways, it's a macabre look. At, that's but that's yeah. all Christmas is about. We digress. All right, so I think. Turning to this uh, this gospel reading, Luke 2, um, as we have said in years past, the historicity of it is underlined, circled, and highlighted here. This is not some theoretical, hypothetical myth. This really happened. Luke just goes over and over the details when this happened, how it happened. Um, and so this is God really acting, and you can establish that. But I think the other thing to note that uh, you, you could note is that Luke really wants you to know that this is uh, this is the the heir of David's throne because to the city of David and he was from the house and family of David and then um, later on the angels say to the shepherds born this day in the city of David a savior so um, if you want to try to do some work with that that is definitely there and what I already said about Advent four you know that David was this great king and people thought this king would come again and everything would be great. Um, uh, and, uh, and it turns out though, that God is fulfilling this promise, but in a way that is unexpected and surprising. And when this all is happening, it doesn't look at all like, um, like people thought it would. So again, you can preach that message about God showing up in surprising ways mm-hmm. and in dark places. Cause this is sort of a dark passage um, David and uh, or uh, Joseph and Mary have to go to Bethlehem to pay a tax. It's government bureaucracy. It's like we have to go to the DMV, and this is um, this is what's going on. Um, they don't have a place to give birth um, in any sort of comfort, so they are in a manger in a in a feeding trough um, because there's no place for them in the guest room. There would be a better translation of the word we use is in the guest room mm. in the in the relatives um, home where they would be staying in Bethlehem. Um, and then the shepherds, these uh, blue collar uh, long distance truckers who are there uh, at the flying J um, uh, in the in the graveyard shift, they get this news um, and they're terrified because um, they're not the people that are used to seeing angelic visions. Mm. So all of this has like darkness, difficulty, suffering, and trial in it. Of course, the, the trial of labor, the, the 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 fear in delivering a child in, in a place that is far from home and uh, all of that. So all those things are happening. And so I think the message is that God works in these dark and difficult places. And and that's that's why I think Christmas has some, such traction with people and why your churches will be full on Christmas Eve because there is um, a profound word of hope mm. coming to you in the darkness. As the, I mean, if you want to highlight something from the Isaiah passage from the beginning, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light and everybody in your congregation is walking in darkness in some form or another. And so to name that and to say that God comes to you maybe unexpected and maybe in surprising ways that you didn't quite see, but it is it is happening nonetheless. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think you Jake. Know, oh, I yeah. think that this uh, scene is incredibly chaotic and out of control. Um, you know, you think 
And this is this is a this is a way you can run at this. I mean, you think if God was in control, he'd uh, at least uh, set them up in the Motel Six or so, you know what I mean? Would there no room for them in the inn? Are you kidding? And um, but God is working in this uncontrollable situation because so many of so much of our life seems to be a bit out of control, and uh, into that out of controlness, uh, God and the angels say, "Peace on earth, goodwill towards men." And uh, that peace is like really embodied in flesh in that baby Jesus. And so uh, what that means is for you is that first, I think God's peace changes your relationship with God. Uh, The peace that's being offered here is not uh, John Lennon's peace, you know. Uh, The peace that's being offered here is divine. And, uh, And God has willed to be our father in Jesus. And God has willed to be our friend in Jesus. And whether you believe it or not, God has claimed you as his own and will never let you go in the out of control world in Jesus. Second... That peace changes uh, our relationship with ourselves, and uh, it's so it's deeply personal. And uh, and uh, and you know, in the midst of a no control situation, uh, that kind of peace enables us Sunday after Sunday and worship service after worship service, whether it's their first, whether it's a person's first worship service ever or their first worship service since last Easter. It enables us to give our hearts to God once again, and uh, and uh, He can take away our guilt and worry and uncertainty, and replace it with the peace that He can only give. And uh, this kind of I think flows out and is very important during the holiday season when you know everybody's got their like Uncle Jacob coming over to drop his latest conspiracy theories, and uh, you know and uh, and uh, you know at the dinner table, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Let's talk about vaccination and the war in Ukraine. So, but uh, um, uh, but that's changed our relationship with our neighbors as well, and with each other, and uh, that's really important during this time, which can be filled with family con- conflict. Is that God wills His peace between you and your family, and uh, you and uh, your uncle Jake who drives you crazy, and uh, all of these things, and really. Sometimes that God's peace, that gift that he gives in that Christ child who dies for you and rises for you, well, it can uh, lead uh, to a tender heart and a kind and forgiving heart and uh, a heart that um, uh, finds the beloved and the most unlovable of people and lets them make their pronouncements. And you can just respond by saying, God, that's interesting. So um, anyway, that's a kind of the... Say more about that. Let's hear it, Uncle Jake. So, but, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, let's, uh, you know, let's just drop it and uh, know that God is in control. I find that so many of these family conversations that come around or conversations with people um, are, pe- you know, that are just trying to find, and, you know, and I'm one of them, but I'm just, you know, people are just trying to find a sense of control in an out-of-control world and uh, trying to find a little bit of salvation uh, where uh, none is actually given. And um, ultimately, um, the word here is do not be afraid uh, because God's going to come and save us all. Yeah, and I think that is so great because Christmas is a time when people should hear the surprising news um, that uh, God says, don't fear. God says, greetings, favored one. God says, do not be afraid. To the angels, like it's just... And the, the news is good news of great joy to all people. Normally, when um, uh, God's messengers or prophets or whatever show up, it's it's not good news. It's get your act together. It's straighten up and fly right. And here, the word is actually surprising 
good news of great joy to all people. In other words, the gospel, God has forgiven you. God has come not as a conquering army to wipe you out. God has come as a little tender baby who can't lift a finger or control his bowel movements. So he's like uh, the most humble, welcoming, uh, soft thing. So that's the, that's the good news. Do not be afraid. Uh, God loves you. Merry Christmas and happy preaching. And um, uh, we pray. We pray for you. That it be a good, uh, truly merry, peace-filled, hope-filled Christmas. Amen. So, and then our next, we'll we'll join you again for 2024 as we as we begin. Um, uh, well, we as we as we turn the page on 2023 and enter 2021 for for Sunday, December 31st. Uh, we'll see you again. But God bless you. Peace, Until everybody. Bye now. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.